Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. Good morning. How are y'all? Good, good, good. Can you hear me okay? No, they're going to turn me up a little bit. That's all the way up. Well, I guess I'll need to talk louder. Here we go. There we go. Amen. All right, we'll try that. If you can't hear me, just wave and I'll grab the other mic. Okay? Um, let's, um, I don't know why as I was sitting there on my, uh, as I was sitting there during worship, I, I kept seeing, uh, you know, the, you know, the Apostle Paul says we go from glory to glory. I'm going to spell the word glory for you. S-T-O-R-M. Takes us from storm to storm. Has anybody noticed that in life? I mean, I'd like to go from Disney World to Disney World, but come on. <laughs> Somebody, I mean, we go from, we're going from glory to glory, and life is really going from storm to storm. And there's no need being too disappointed with that because that's the way it is. And but let's always remember Jesus was in the fire, right? He, Jesus was in the fire with the Hebrew children. And so when we start realizing what's going on here in planet Earth and how God's wanting to meet us, we realize that life is and it is from glory to glory. But you find the glory in the storm. And so the reason I'm saying this is I'm wanting to bring something to you this morning. Y'all test it. See if it sounds like it's the Lord or not. And uh, because I want to give us some, just like that is a little bit different definition perhaps of what glory to glory means. You know in here it's the truth. Life is from storm to storm. So the Lord teaches us that His glory and His presence is in our storms it's in our battles and so evidently we like to have the idea that if i'm living my christian life correctly i will avoid storm to storm reason we're living our christian life is so we can avoid storms now some storms are man-made they are some man-made sometimes we create more storms than we need if you can hear what i'm saying but Life in general has taken us from one challenge to the next challenge to the next challenge. And as Christians, there is a way that we can engage in glory to glory. There's a way we can engage in glory to glory. We all, we all want to be healed, but none of us want to be sick, right? We all want the glory, but none of us want the fire, well, I'll tell you this, the fire's coming whether you want it or not, so you just well get the glory that's in there. Amen? So today I want to share with you, if you allow me to, just some ideas for you to test as we're moving and bringing spiritual terminology to life's realities so that we can respond in the power of the Spirit. So have I got my first slide up? PowerPoint, is it there? There it is. Great, great. Now, 
as we began this little journey of definitions, I've got here the kingdom lifestyle, transformation, the possibility of change. The kingdom lifestyle. We are children of the king. We have entered into a kingdom, a real kingdom, a kingdom of the spirit that supersedes any natural kingdom. I'll say it again. It supersedes any natural kingdom. Now, for us to understand a lifestyle of the kingdom is something I'd like for you to consider. For a lifestyle of the kingdom means that you get benefits of the kingdom. And it also says there, transformation, the possibility of change. If I ask you this question, how many love change? Well, there's not many. I didn't think, I think it was many. Now, you've learned to love change, perhaps, but none of us, I mean, to us, change means it's not stable, something's shifting, and, uh, but there's, there's not any way you can be transformed without changing. So we fight it. We don't want to change. We fight changing. But God has created this kingdom in which he is challenging us to change so we fit in to the kingdom. We've been birthed. Uh, let me uh, test this one. As Christians, I think we're running about 20%. I think we're running about 20%. What you have signed up for, what you have given your life to and your heart to, there's a lot more to it. Do you feel like there's more to it? Do, do you feel like that you have arrived at your spiritual destination? Now consider this. Where you are right now is probably you can give credit to what you have learned in the kingdom of God. Would you agree with that? Where you are right now, you can give credit to what you have learned in the kingdom of God. Of course, I mean, the given is it's the cross of Christ and all of that. But as we're learning, you are where you are based on, in other words, you've exhausted all you know. Right? We all have. We've exhausted what we know. If there was more, we'd do it. Right? So what we know has got us to here, but we're not. We have yet to be where we want to be. So what you know got you to here, but it won't take you to where you want to be. Why? Because there's more that we need to know. And as we know more, we'll move more. But to know more means you've got to change. You've got to change to be transformed. It's very, it's so easy to be comfortable with where we are. But we've got greater desires, we have greater prayers than where we are. If you have a, an illness, a terminal illness or whatever, you don't want to be there. We want to move beyond or it, it can be a storm of any type. All right, let me move on. Let's I get stopped. All right, next slide. Now, we're going to be moving through these very quickly. Next slide, please. 
You watch me right here because we're going to boogie. Okay. Now, you cannot be transformed if you are unwilling to change. So that's the reason I say this up front. We have to make this decision. We don't like change. We know we don't like change. I am not here today to make you feel comfortable. Right? I get up at 3 o'clock. I, I have people, I've had people, well, Alan, you must just love milking cows. I'm like, wow, that thought has never entered my mind. <laughs> I, I I've, maybe I have this unseen love for these cows. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I like to eat regularly. So I work regularly. I get it. And it just so happens my opportunity of life was farming, and that's what I did. But you have to be, you, as Christians, we have to understand if we won't want to be where we're not right now, we've got to understand we need to change. Something's got to change. Something's got to give. Something's got to move. Give me my next slide. Now, what's this one? Time does not equal newness of life. But how you think does. You can say, well, tomorrow will be a better day. Well, yes, but it doesn't equal newness of life. How you think is newness of life. That's what the renewing of the mind, you're renewing how you think. You're making it new as comes life. Give me my next slide. Now, it says this in, uh, in Genesis, and I want you to look at the first part of that at the top. You were created to remember. Say that with me. You were created to remember. Now, look at this scripture. It's interesting. In Genesis 1.27, tells us that God created man and woman in His image. Now, I want you to see this word for man. In this passage, the word man is translated from the Hebrew word zakar. Say that with me. Zakar. And that word in the Hebrew means the remembering one. So the part of you that was created in the image of God is your ability to remember. Animals work off of instinct. Did you know there's part of you that's just a, an animal? You didn't like that one, did you? I got a better one. There's times we just want to operate out of instinct. God's wanting you to operate out of memory. There's a difference. Uh, I've had had one guy say, "Well, Alan, he was he was actually drunk at the time. I maybe picked a wrong story here, but the guy the guy was actually very intoxicated at the time and." I was in a motel. I went down. They had, uh, it was a lot of partying in the streets and stuff where I was. And so I went down. This is about two o'clock at night. There was no way to sleep. And I went down, sat on a bench. Everybody was by two o'clock, you can imagine. Yeah, I came over and sat down beside me. And he said, well, this is just the way I am. I looked at him. I said, well... You better be glad I'm not being just the way I am. Point in B, God wants us to, here, here's where I'm going. God is wanting us to remember the things that He has saved. Not my animal nature, 
with his spiritual nature. If the enemy, he's very sneaky. Not only that, he's good at it. The enemy is trying to get at us and keep us from being victorious. The way he does it is through our memory. Why? Because that's the part of us that's like God. Wow. I hope you're getting this. God has... Genesis 1.27 tells us God created man and woman in His image. It says this, God created Zachar and Zachar in His image. God created the remembering one and the remembering one in His image. So the part of the image of God that you've been created in is the ability to remember. So why does the Apostle Paul in the Scripture say to renew your mind? Is renewing that part of you that God wants to use. There's a... Um, in remembering, our remembering will continue... A thought or an event or a storm that does not have a conclusion keeps playing. You, you know why soap operas used to be so popular? They never concluded. Right? So, so what happens with us? It's a storm or a story that never concludes. Right? It keeps playing over and over and over. I've said this here before, I'm sure, but... If you learn to play a piano or you learn to type, you have to punt and peck to start with, and somebody will show you how to do your fingers. And then you'll, you'll, you'll practice it. And, so, and then after a while, you don't even have to think about typing. You just look at the words and you're over here typing. Well, how's that thing doing? How's that working? How are these fingers doing that? I'm not thinking about it. It's your subconscious mind. Is your mind, your conscious mind is looking at a word. Your subconscious mind has stored memory, and so it can tell the fingers what to do. And consciously, you don't even have to think about it. It's a response. So your responses, and why does it store that memory? Because you had a repetitive memory. When you repeat memory over and over and over, it's stored as truth. And here's the catch, whether it's true or not. Okay, so the repetitive, how does it work? Repetitive memory over and over and over is stored as truth, whether it's true or not. Now, when you're typing, you have repetitive memory. It shows you how to type. It's a response. So if you have repetitive memory over and over and over and you're storing truth that's not truth, you're going to be responding in non-truth. Are you with me? I hadn't lost you, have I? You've heard the word perception. Now I'm prophetically trying to, I'm going to teach you how to see in the spirit. How do you see prophetically? Write down the word if you take a note. Perception. Now here's what a perception is. A perception is like a pair of glasses. You see life through a perception. If I'm standing up here, or if I walk down in front of somebody's house and under their front porch, a dog runs out and bites me. And then it runs back. All right. And a little feist dog at that. The reason I use that one is that's happened to me. And stored in my memory of a feist dog, when I see the next one, is that booger's going to bite me. 
right? Especially a feist. I won't trust any dogs, but I definitely won't trust a feist dog. And I promise you, I will walk further away from any front porch again. That's where it happens. So I have a perception about a feist dog because I have stored memory that gives me a perception on how to see that dog. So I'll see the next dog and the next feist dog, next, but I'm still thinking the same thing because it's based on that memory. Everybody with me? Remember, you're a Zaycar. You are the remembering one. My perception determines how I see. I want to see in the Spirit. I want to see God move. My problem is I got a bunch of stored memory that equals this perception of what I see. Oh, I got hurt in church. Stored. Every church is going to hurt me. Wrong. Right? Are you with me? In other words, your perceptions are not necessarily always based on truth. But it's true to you because you stored it as truth. How do I know that? Because you had repetitive memory. You play that thing over and over and over. How do you stop it? A memory for a Zaycar needs a conclusion. The cross of Christ is the conclusion to any memory. You say, well, Alan, they done me wrong. And they did it on purpose. James Robinson said, well, forgive them on purpose. Are you following with me? Now, we're going somewhere with this if y'all got enough time. So we're wanting to see. I want you to see how the prophetic works. I want you to see how we get stuck in life and we can't move further. God's, the kingdom of God's wanting to take us further. The enemy, what he does is he gets in our memory. He sets up these conclusions and these things that aren't true. So you got to bring a conclusion to all these memories. Just conclude them. You're not going to forget them. Conclude them. You you really conclude them. You really forgive people. I'm going to show you how this works. Can y'all hang on a minute? It's 20 to 12. And I got an hour's worth to put in 20 minutes. All right, hang on. We're going to move now. If you don't get it, raise your hand. Say, I'm not getting it. Okay. All right, you're, you are, God calls you, what's your Hebrew word for who you are? You are a Zakar. You are the remembering one. Next slide. What can weigh as much as 14,000 pounds? Next slide. Stand as high as 13 feet tall. Next slide. Has one of the best memories on the planet. Next slide. A Zakar of the animal world. Next slide. You got it. It's an elephant. Now you say, Alan, what? Uh, I had uh, a person yesterday. I was coming up here. And of course, he's not, uh, he didn't know what I was talking about, but he said, Alan, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I said, elephants. He looked at me what? Zakar is an elephant to the animal world. Now, I give it, give me my next slide. Now, look at this. 
The remembering one had to update its memory. Do you don't read any of my notes yet? Don't read. Don't read. We're going for pictures here. Don't look at my notes. You see this little elephant? He's got a chain right there and right there. You've been to the circus and you've seen a 14,000 pound elephant and they got a little old wood stake in the ground. They take that chain and throw it around and that big old elephant will stand right there. You ever wondered why that elephant stands there? It's because when that elephant was little, they put a chain around its leg, tied him to a post or something, and he would fight that thing. It took about a week, but he'd fight it trying to get away from it. He couldn't get away from it, so he stored in his memory as truth that he had to stay put everywhere that chain was around his leg. Then you see this old big elephant and this little chain around. They'll put, they put little cow, little dog chains on them sometimes. They just take it over there. Why? I was uh, watching this. I was researching. I saw this one situation that they had an elephant. It's like a, I think it was Barnum and Bailey Circus years ago or something. But all of a sudden, the elephant quit doing the act of the three ring circus, and he just turned around and started walking right through the tent and on. And the announcer said, "Don't. it's okay. He'll go right back to his safe place. And sure enough, the old big elephant, he didn't want to perform anymore, I guess. But So he went back to where it was safe. He didn't feel safe in there free with all the people. He felt safe. And that elephant came right back out and went over and stood right beside the stake and the chains laying on the ground. So what happened? What had control of him? It was his memory. Can you see it? There's a part of us. Can y'all hear me okay? They turned me down, but it's okay as long as you can hear me. You can't hear me, you can't hear me. You can't hear me. Do a now you can hear me. Okay. Good? You can't hear me. You want me to get the handheld? Get the hand it's right there. We're okay, we're taking this one off. Check. Now you got me? Is that better? So the elephant had in its memory that that chain was controlling it. How many of you have said, we know, we know that the truth will set you free, but we're not free. Why? Because the enemy knows he's got us in our stored memory. He came after us and hooked us at the very part of us that's like God. And he knows that since that part of us is like God, that we're not going to change our mind unless we get a greater truth. With me? All right. Test what it's say. Now watch this. How many of us go through life hanging on to a belief that we cannot do something because we failed at it once before? How many of us have avoided trying something new because of a limiting belief? How many of us are being held back by someone else's limiting beliefs? Are you with me? This is very, very, very important if you want to move forward in the things of the kingdom of God. If we're running about a 20%, let's at least get her to a 30. 
into a 40. I'm telling you, how do you get there? This is how you get there. You have to change. You cannot allow life's circumstances. You can't do it. Be in your memory and form your truth patterns. It's perception. Write this down if you would. A perception, a perception is an observation and an interpretation. A perception is an observation you're seeing and an interpretation, in other words, you're interpreting what you're seeing based on memory. That's what a perception is. A perception is an observation and interpretation based chiefly on memory. Okay? That's what a perception is. How we see life, everything's done through perception. A perception is an observation, interpretation, based chiefly on memory. Now, I'm going to give you, now that is just the world's terminology, psychology or whatever, of what a perception is. Now, I'm going to give you a kingdom definition of perception. It's an observation and an interpretation based chiefly on faith, not memory. Okay? Are you all okay with that? The kingdom perception, if you want to be a prophetic person, you have an observation, your perception is an observation and interpretation. I'm seeing, I'm interpreting, but it's based off of faith. Now, what, what does that mean? That means no matter what you're seeing, no matter what the storm is, you are looking to see what God's doing behind the scenes on behalf of you in the storm. Did you get it? You want me to say it again? I don't know if I can. An observation. What did I say? Okay, kingdom observation is a, it's an observation interpretation based chiefly on faith. What that means is that you see, you observe, and you interpret what you're observing, but then you're going a step further. You're looking to see what God's doing behind the scenes on, beh on behalf of what you're seeing. That's kind of like what I said. Isn't it? In other words, a prophetic person is a person who's looking to see what God's doing behind the scenes on behalf of this storm. Three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. Who would have thought Jesus was in there with them? I can't teach you on how to not have the storm. I can teach you how not to have man-made storms, but I'm talking about the storms of life. Any storm's a storm. I don't care if you make it or not. Jesus is still in it. And an observ a prophetic observation is we want to see. Now, but you got to understand, your seeing, your ability to see is based mainly off of memory. So can you see how we have to heal memory so we can see properly? See, Alan, I think I got it. You got it. So we do not have an option 
of not repenting. If we want to see what God's doing behind the scenes on behalf of this storm. Now understand, when God shows you what He's doing behind the scenes on behalf of the storm, He gives you the anointing to speak into that storm. And you can be the Jesus in the fire. Could you feel it? Could you feel the truth? So that's what we're looking for. Now, let's move on quickly. I got to move here. All right, you got the chain thing. Next slide. Proverbs 23, 7. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Can you, can you get it? If you think that chain's around your leg and you can't do anything because of that chain, how you think has got you. That's how you are. So it's my, I am limiting my belief based off of my perception if I base it off of memory. But what if my perception is based off of faith? If it's based off of faith, now please get this, it requires that you bring conclusion to all of these crises in life. You take them all to, that's what the cross does. I'm, I'm going to show you here in a minute how it works. That's what the cross does. It brings that memory to a conclusion. A story that's been concluded is not up and running. It said, the cross says the end. Are you with me? It says the end of that story. You say, well, this person did that. And I understand all that. I'm going to show you what to do. I'm going to show you how to do what I've just said. And I know you're sitting there thinking, I'm not really sure what you just said. But I'm going to show you, if you're interested, on how to do what I just said. Now, this is not Christianity 101. I'm talking about calculus prophetic. All right? This is a mature church. All right, let's go to our... But get this now. So as a man thinketh... All right, thinking's important. So as a man thinketh, so is he. In other words, your perceptions... And your conclusions of what you're observing, if you do a perception of an observation interpretation based chiefly off of memory, nobody's got a chance. Well, he did this and it, I saw this. Well, there's a feist dog that's going to bite me. Just well to shoot that feist dog before he comes out from under the porch. All right? So that means everybody, all of us that's been called into failures have no hope. That is not true. We have all hope. Matter of fact, I won't go to war with somebody that hadn't at least failed 10 times. They'll get you killed. I hope y'all can handle that truth. I want somebody that knows how to walk in forgiveness, not pride. Is anybody catching what I'm saying here? If you're going to true war, you got to be able to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to show you how it works. Anything that puts limits on your life can be a chain around your thinking. <coughs> Jesus came to set us free and destroy the chains that bind us. Jesus said, John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will do what? <coughs> do y'all think that's a true statement? That is a true statement. Isaiah 9, 4. For God will break the chains that bind His people and whip that scourges them. He'll break... You've got to understand, the issue 
Genesis 3 was the fall of man. God, there's the water. Good, thank you. Bless your heart. Genesis 3 was the fall of man, right? God, yeah, just put it on the floor there. Thank you, Pastor. God did all of this in the middle after Revelation 21, 22. He did all this book here, all this time right here, just to get our thinking straight. God did a bunch of storytelling to lifetime to make a point. His point is, you're the remembering one, and he's wanting to store in your memory how he thinks and how he lives. Oh, bless your heart. i got all kinds of stuff here. I'll make some holy water and sling it out there. <laughs> so God did this whole book. to get, He's wanting us to get our thinking right. You're going to have enough storms that you're going to fail through life until you get it, that you need forgiveness. And when you start living a lifestyle of the kingdom of God, which is a lifestyle of forgiveness, then you can start seeing things properly. Pride is the enemy of the prophetic eye. Now, <clears throat> give me my next one. Next slide. Are you in chains or are you a chain breaker? Here we go. Things that constrain you, things that bind you up, things that stop you, things that stop forward progress, things that remove your freedom, things that can cast you into darkness. Next slide. Great strength and power. And I want you to see this one. Many African cultures revere the African elephant as a symbol of strength and power. He is also praised for his size, longevity, stamina, mental faculties, cooperative spirit and loyalty. It is said that the elephant brings balance to the animal kingdom in the jungle. When an elephant has been controlled by a false memory, he loses his strength and power. In other words, I, I watched this one a little video and as I was researching this stuff about elephants and uh, uh, I'll show you how much I believe in an elephant. I, I don't ever, hadn't ever wore a necklace in my life and, and I had a dream about a necklace with an elephant on it. I got an elf, uh, a necklace with an elephant to remind me <clears throat> that I am the remembering one. And I don't, I, I never, I've talked about men wearing necklaces. I should have no, never done that. I should have never done. <clears throat> I called my friend up and I said, hey, I had a dream. Here's what he said. He said, it's about an elephant and a necklace, and I got it here. He owned the jewelry store. He said, You're, God wants you to have an elephant and a necklace. Now, you try that and on. You know what I've done? I've worn it ever since. <laughs> <clears throat> but it's because I want to remind myself daily, all the time, I'm the remembering one. I'm giving this thing over to the kingdom of God. I'm giving it to the kingdom. I want to remember what God wants me to remember. I know the form of the reason He wants, the reason we sin and He forgives us <clears throat> is because that's part of the memory. You get it? Did you know God's into redeeming? The way you see in the prophetic is, but how do? What am I looking? I see a storm. I'm making an observation. I'm interpreting it 
I'm going to interpret it by faith and not memory. How do I do that? Because I'm looking for the redeeming factor. I'm looking for the redeeming. There is not a situation that does not have a redeeming factor in it. God's wanting to redeem all things. There's nothing you've ever done or anybody else that can't be redeemed by the blood of the cross. So we're in the redeeming business. That's what kind of business we're in. Now, so this, I was watching this video, this elephant came up to the watering hole in Africa. It, as he was coming up, there's alligators in it, snakes. And there's just all kinds of stuff around the watering hole with a bunch of teeth. You know what I'm saying? If it had teeth, it was drinking water. Here comes the elephant, doesn't have a tooth. He comes up there in all of his authority. He took his trunk and he hit the water with it about two of the wham. I thought, what's that? All of a sudden, alligators went to running, lions went to running, tigers, everything that had teeth went to running. Why? Because the elephant was there with his authority. The jungle knows the authority of the elephant. So when the elephant went up there and started drinking, then these little rabbits came up and little old things that couldn't get any water. They were waiting until the authority got there so they could drink. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to translate it for you. When you walk into Walmart, somebody needs to turn around and say, hey, I think an elephant just walked in. <laughs> in other words, we are to, the elephant brings balance to the jungle. As Christians, as believers, we bring balance to the earth. It's not done by majority, it's done by authority. When the elephant's in his right mind, he'll make everybody flee. When he's not, when he has a chain, he'll stand there because he thinks that's safety. Anybody with me? All right, let's watch it. Go to the next slide. When the elephant is controlled by a false reality, he ceases to be true to his true identity. He also ceases from living the lifestyle he was created to live. The reason as Christians we're running 20% is because that, of that right there. We're being controlled by false realities. Or realities. We cease to be true. You can say, but Alan, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and nobody even knows it. Well, that's one you need to repent of, but you got to understand something. In the kingdom of God, you have authority. I'm going to show you in just a second here how the authority works. Go to my next slide. Judges 16, 28. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, look here. Samson asked God to remember him. I pray thee and strengthen me, I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Strength is the activated, is activated when we remember. See, Samson's up there lost his strength. He prayed to God. <coughs> God, would you remember? God remembered. And by God remembering, his strength came back to Samson. When we sin, we lose our strength. 
forgiveness and the cross of Christ is God remembering. Anybody hearing what I'm trying to tell you? You got to catch what I'm saying. I can't really say it all. When we repent of sin, it activates God's remembering. How can I let me say it like this? Did you know that God has that we were all in the heart of God before the foundations of the earth? Your Bible says that. Okay. We were all in the heart of God before the foundations of the earth. God, I'm going to tell you where you're headed. Here's where you're headed. The reason of the cross of Christ, God remembers who all of us were in his heart before the foundations of the earth. Do you know what you're running towards? Who you are in the heart of God before the foundations of the earth. Can y'all get what I'm saying here? You were in the heart of God before the foundations of the earth, period, paragraph. Then come along Genesis 3. So we run off here in our own mess. He sends the cross of Christ so he can remember who we are before the foundations of the earth. God's just calling you back to who you were in his heart before. Say, Alan, I got it. So you're running backwards, not forward. Now listen to me. Please hear this. Prophetic people. Do you have Jesus in your heart? Now, that's great. But how would you like to be in his heart? Jesus is in my heart. That's wonderful for me. But how would you like to be in God's heart? God's got a heart too, you know. <laughs> He's in our heart. Yippee for us. But God's calling us back into His heart. That's who you were before the foundations of the earth. Now, let me move on. Strengths activated when we remember Samson was calling God to remember who he was when he had his strength. God said, yes, I remember who you were, Samson, before you acted stupid. And then when he did, his strength came back. There's not anybody sitting in here. If you've taken anything that you've done to the cross, say, God, remember who it was. Your full strength comes back, anointing and everything. It all comes back. Go to my next slide. We reach into the remembering for the power that is needed for now. In other words, my observation is going to be based chiefly off of faith, not memory. So, for the power that is needed for the now, we're reaching the remembering. I want to store in my memory what God says. Situation you're in, but God's Word says all things work together for good. That's where I'm reaching back into that truth of God. In my memory. And when I bring that truth forth, it brings power into the now. Can you get that? And we're actually reaching into the heart of God before the foundations of the earth. As a church, the only thing we're doing is running around telling everybody what God's heart was before everything fell. That's the reason it sounds just crazy. The things we say. 
all things work together for good. Oh, come on, somebody. That sounds crazy. Right? All of these laws and things of God was before the fall of man. Sowing and reaping was a good law. You sow and you reap. The enemy got a hold of it. It's still the law. You're going to sow something bad, you're going to get something bad. Oh, well, that's true. But let's sow something good so we can reap something good. <clears throat> We're wanting to redeem it. Let's go to the next slide. God is pulling us back to our original remembering before the foundations of the world. Now, that's a little, that's maybe a big statement. But as we continue forward, I would like for you to start considering that God saw you before the foundations of the world. And that's who he's calling us to be. He's You're going to be there. But let's just get on with it and let's get it moving. I go to the next one. Returning to our created purpose. That was in the remembering of God. Go to the next one. You are not average. Look at this. God says you are. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Now, that's either true or false. How many says it's true? Can you store that in your remembering? How do you store it? Repetitive thinking. You just put it on your refrigerator, put it on your phone. Just if you want that verse, you start doing it repetitively. You just, you see, just over, over, over. Like practicing a piano, put it. If you, repetitive thinking is stored as truth. If you sit around and talk about how bad somebody is, if you get eight or ten, yeah, he's bad, yeah, he's bad. All of that repetitive thinking is stored as truth. You could not even know the person they're talking about, but if you run into them, you're going to say, yep, they're bad. See, you know I'm telling you the truth. Why? It's repetitive thinking. You say, well, I know it's truth because I feel I discerned it. You didn't discern it. You got in there on your crazy hard drive and you heard a bunch of gossip and you're saying it's true. That's what happens. Do you want true truth or you want made up? You want fake news or real news? Right? Here's real news. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. All right, if that's real news and that's true and you store it in your hard drive, when you need to respond, you will respond with that. But you got to have repetitive thinking. Give me my next one. Push and pull. All right, I'm going to move through this one quickly. It's five after 12. Can I? y'all give me permission to move on? You'll, I can't stop here, but I'd rather not. Push and pull. Now watch this one real closely. Well, let me talk to you first. Have you ever felt somebody be pushy? Does anybody know what a log chain is? Okay, I've got log chains. Trust me, it's much easier to pull a 20-foot log chain than it is to push it. Right? Did you know that an elephant can pull twice as much as it can push? That's another law of the Spirit, but I, I don't have time to get into it now. Pushing life will run out. It has limitations. You can be just pushing so long. Pulling life is endless with no limitations. In other words, you can try to push somebody into Christ or push somebody in what you think they need to do, and you'll give out. But if you're calling people into the kingdom, call them, you'll never give out. 
It's what we do. We redeem. We're constantly calling people. <clears throat> Watch it. An elephant can pull almost twice its body weight. Psalms. God, you pulled me out of the grave, gave me another chance at life when I was down and out. Things of the flesh push, things of the spirit pull. Did you feel it? When the Holy Spirit's moving, it draws. It pulls. You can try to push people into coming here and you're not doing any good. You, you pull them, you let, watch something creates the pull. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's the love of God that pulls. <clears throat> let me give you a little side note. God had a message. He had the Ten Commandments, right? His first message to mankind, Ten Commandments. God found himself in a little dilemma, if you can accept that. He was in a little bit of a dilemma. And here was his dilemma. God loved mankind, but God's message was this in perfection, or just Ten Commandments. That wasn't plumb perfection, but he gave us just ten things and we couldn't do it. But God's love for us was greater than his message. Now, if we were going to obey God, we had to do the message. But God's love for mankind was greater than his own message. The reason is, that's the reason he sent his son Jesus to die our death, because he loved you more than his own message. Does anybody get that? God's love is greater than His message. God's love being greater than His message is what draws you to God. If you want to draw people to this church, it's because your love's greater than your message. We don't care if they're rich, if they're poor, if they're black, if they're white. We don't care because you love everybody. That love draws. Now, when you get here, you can have a message, but when your message is greater than your love, you're, you're not getting it. Can somebody say, man, help me out just a little bit. I feel like I'm picking up hay by myself. Your love, can somebody please, you got to hear this to go forward with me to, here today. Your love has got to be greater than your message. You can say, well, if he does that one more time, bless God. You know, that makes it spiritual. Bless God. When you put limitations on something you're pushing, pull never gives out when it's done with the Spirit of God because your love is greater than your requirement of perfection. It's the ways of the Spirit. Am I doing away with us doing things right instead? No, of course not. I'm just, this is not about the message. This is about your love. If your love's not greater than your message, we need to check up. Now, let's move on right quickly. Push and pull of the mind. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me does what? Draws him. You see that? And I will raise him up in the last day. I want you to see the push. And the pull. Next one. It takes courage to say yes to God. To agree with how great you are in Christ Jesus. To seize your mind for the kingdom takes tremendous 
courage. Next slide. Nothing is more powerful when an elephant has changed mind. Did anybody say amen to that? You got an elephant chained around his legs. He's got to change mind. Chains is gone. Put him back out in the wild. He's got a mind that's changed. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's the renewing of the mind. You are a Zakar. You can remember. The enemy now is trying to mess up your memory. He's trying to mess up the hard drive. He's trying to put a virus in here. Next one. Okay, I'm about to land this plane. Adam lost his authority when he gave up being responsible by not owning where he was. Now look at me just a second. Here's where this thing happened. And I'm going to bring I'm going to bring all this together for you. Adam, Eve, Garden of Eden. God came to Adam. Adam, what'd you do? Is that woman you gave me, God? Eve, what'd you do? It was that serpent that beguiled me. Now here's what took place. Adam had a th all authority. God gave it to him. When Adam blamed Eve, he gave Eve the authority. When Eve blamed the serpent, she gave the serpent the authority. Point being, if you blame somebody, you cannot fix the situation you're in because you gave somebody else your authority. Can somebody hear what I'm trying to tell you? I'm going to put a hundred bales of hay on this wagon now. Don't break down on me. I'm wanting you to understand why we're running 20%. I want you to run 100%. If, if I came in here and I want to see who has the authority of this house, they'd say pastor and his wife. They have the authority. So, if something goes on here, he has to give approval. If somebody comes to your home, and they say, they just come in the front door, and they say, and they go to your bedroom, and they lay down in your bed, so I'm going to take a nap, I'll get up in a little bit. Well, you might say, well, no, you're not. <laughs> and why would you say that? Because you own the house. In other words, you have authority over what you own. Get it? But you don't have authority over something you don't own. So when you blame somebody else, you say it's their fault. You're letting I want them to own it. Listen, I don't care if somebody does you wrong on purpose, still own it. If you want if you want to get through it, own it. Well, they need bless God, they need to get it right. Well, then what if they don't? Own it anyway. Say, Alan, I don't think you're crazy. Oh, I didn't get one. You've got to get this, people of God. You have authority by God over what you own. 
Say, Alan, they sinned. They did it to me on purpose. I've already told you what James Robinson said. You forgive them on purpose. Let, let, me, let me throw this one at you. Jesus Christ, do you believe He forgave the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future? Do you know how He had authority to do that? He owned every one of them. Jesus Christ is sinless. Never did a one of them. He owned them and forgave them. Or you say, Alan, I think I'm getting it. Thank you. And I hope, I hope you're seeing what I'm saying. You own it. You have authority over what you own. If you, you can't get saved unless you own where you are. You can't give anything to Christ that you don't own first. Is anybody, can you, anybody hear me? I've got to own where I am so I can lay it at the cross. Say, so, well, they send me and they done, well, it's okay, I'm going to own it, and Lord Jesus, I forgive them, and I lay them at the cross of Christ. Why can I do that? Because I'm owning it. I'm not waiting on you. I hope I am the one that's wrong because I know how to repent. We take it to the cross of Christ. <clears throat> the one who is responsible or in charge is the one who can respond. Responsibility means the ability to act in authority. The elephant walks up to the water hole, slaps his nose down there, his trunk on the water. Why? Because he's walking in authority. He's holding the water hole. But everybody else is there. Well, the one with authority just walked up. I own that water hole. You can drink when I get ready. The people of God have that kind of authority. But we're losing it. The alligators are in the water hole. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's go to the next slide right quick, and I think I'm about done. You can have a new day and not have a new mind. Next slide. You cannot step into your future thinking like your past. You've got to consider what I've taught you this morning because you can't step into your future thinking like you've you got to learn something. What I hope you've learned here today is you've got to own. You've got to own the circumstances of your life. And when you own it, you've got authority over it. Is that my next slide? Is that it? Okay. All right, it's 20 after 12. We didn't quite get 100 bales on that wagon, but I think we got about 60. Did you understand anything I tried to? I knew, I know I threw a bunch of stuff out there. Did you, did you get anything out of it? Okay. I'm going to, uh, I just want you to bow your heads. This is going to be painless. Let's bow your heads here, and I want to ask you a few questions. I need you to raise your hand and take it back down because the Lord's watching. This is what I'm after. If you, if you could say, now, Alan, there's some things in my life I'm seeing that I'm not owning, but I'm wanting the Lord to help me own this so that I can have authority over I want you to raise your hand right now. All over. Okay. Lord Jesus, 
You know our deal. Anything that I've said that I've missed, I pray it'll fall to the ground. But if there's anything that I've said, oh God, that is the truth of your word in your heart, dear God, by the authority that's in the Zakars, this day, oh God, I pray that the ownership of the kingdom, that the ownership of where everybody is in life in here, they're not going to blame it on the school teacher. They're not going to blame it on their mom and dad. I'm not saying people aren't guilty, but they're not blaming. They're not going to give their authority away to somebody else. <clears throat> that they're going to own it. They're going to forgive these people so they can own it. And dear Heavenly Father, I ask and pray right now, and I pray for this church, that they can see themselves as Zachars of the kingdom of God, and they will feel their remembering with your ways, your word, your heart. And I pray, oh God, that you will baptize them in your love. So as these Zachars remember all of these things, that their love for mankind is greater than any message they have. And as their messages go forth out of this tremendous love, that it'll draw people into this place. Let them be drawn here for fellowship. Lord God, I pray that if there's anyone in here with a critical spirit, against this church. I pray that they'll own that critical spirit right now. And I pray that they'll lay it at the foot of the cross. They maybe are critical because they have good reason. But Lord, I ask and pray that they'll own that and they'll forgive that and they'll lay it at the foot of the cross because their memory is going to be written with the ways of God. Help us to repeat what you say and help us never to repeat gossip or repeat things that are not from the kingdom. Help us to repeat only those things that are permissible for us to repeat that we might find great joy, great authority. And Lord, I pray for this group and they walk into Walmart. Somebody says, uh-oh, somebody from the king of glory just walked in. <laughs> It'll be great love and great authority. Bless this house in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.